Welcome to Distrust and Disparities, Dismantling Black Health Disparities podcast. We examine health disparities that disproportionately affect Black women and Black families. In addition, we amplify organizations and individuals working to dismantle racist health practices and systems to improve health outcomes for marginalized communities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Camille White. We discuss sexual assault, kidnapping, murder, and other triggering topics in this episode. Listener discretion is advised. The number one problem with how the police department handled this situation was that they called it completely unfounded without doing any type of investigation at all. And it seemed, you know, much more like they were actually trying to discredit our community voices and to silence our community voices than to, uh, you know, look after what was actually happening in our community. And to us, that's a testament to the type of anti-blackness that is prevalent in our police department. In this episode, we discuss the disproportionate media coverage and law enforcement resources given to missing Black women and girls. We cover the harrowing story of a Black woman who escaped a white supremacist and accused rapist. And we highlight the Black and Missing Foundation, an organization that brings awareness to missing persons of color and provides vital resources to the loved ones of missing people. Welcome back to another episode of Distrust and Disparities. We're happy to be back and discussing with you a new topic. So unless you live under a rock, you have heard about Carly Russell. It is sad that she felt the need to run away and to create this elaborate story. But prior to the Carly Russell case, I know I have been receiving posts from my mom and aunt and also just seen circulating on social media warnings about the different methods that um, kidnappers use to target potential victims, such as using children or elderly people to lure women in. And also just, I've been told since I was young, be careful of where I park at, be careful of your surroundings, just be extra cautious. There was always this risk of, you know, just looking over your shoulders because the potential of being killed or harmed and knowing that I would not be receiving like the same media attention if I was to go missing. It would be very hard for people to know what's going on and get the word out. Because then it's the whole thing of like, we're not seen as victims. Black women are always adultified. And Mm -hmm. I usually you hear the story over and over again. If someone does have someone that goes missing and they are, you know, a black girl, a young black woman, it's, you know, oh, they ran away. It's mm-hmm. always the immediate thing of like, or the question of what were drugs involved? Were they into, you know, this sort of criminal activity? There isn't the automatic assumption of, you know, you're just listening to the family loved ones go, they are missing, something is wrong, and immediately take an action. It's dismissed as though like, ah, they'll show back up. And it's just like, we're ignored. We're not seen as like real people and real victims like white women are. Mm -hmm. It's so sad. Yeah. And I remember just from a 
early age, you know, as a child, kids naturally wander off or different mm-hmm. things and, you know, parents try to check them down. But I remember from a young age, my mom was like, you know, she fussed at me. She was like, you can't go running around. Nobody's going to put basically your little black ass on a milk cart. And like, no, you're not going to be on the news. Nobody is going to be able to find you. And, you know, you're going to end up dead. You know, had to learn the harsh way. Like, you can't just wander off because there's real danger. And, you know, mm-hmm. nobody will be out there searching for me. So it's plenty of people, black women, girls who get the same, um, have the same conversation at a very young age. And, you know, we did want to talk about Carly Russell. And even though it, we're glad she was found alive and we know that the circumstances surrounding her gone missing were not true, but two things remain true. Um, millions of black women and girls are currently still missing or go missing on a daily basis. And we also, we still need to continue to go hard in raising awareness about the fact that black women go missing on a daily basis and they do not receive a fraction of the media attention that white women receive. And we were planning to do this episode about the prevalence of missing black women. So what better time we need to continue the focus on this topic. And some people have been saying that because she lied, like, they're not going to do anything for us. Like she just set us back, but the bar was already low. Like we said before. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as a community, we have to look at our resources and because how the word got out about Carly Russell and spread so quickly because her family were calling people, calling other family members, promoting it on social media. It went viral on TikTok. So there are more ways to get the story out. And we're going to share like some resources later on in this episode. But like I said, we have to continue to go hard and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, look for ourselves, protect ourselves and do what we have to do. So we want to discuss, of course, the numbers behind the statistics with missing Black women and girls. So according to the 2022 data from the National Crime Information Center and the U.S. Census Bureau, Black women, we are 7% of the U.S. population, yet we make up approximately 18% of those reported missing. And that sort of breaks down to over... 540,000 people were reported missing in the U.S. in 2022. And of those that were white women, it was 153,000 and then nearly 98,000 were black women. And so when you look at those numbers and people understanding, too, that like what you see on media and TV, you wouldn't think that our numbers were that high, but they're extremely Mm -hmm. high and we're not being looked out for. And these numbers represent people reported to law enforcement. So these are probably underestimates of the true number of missing black women and girls because they're not all being reported. They're not all being even acknowledged, even if, say, they are reported. What if those reports just aren't being, you know, filed away and taken down? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, of course, the question is like with nearly 100,000 missing black women and girls, why is it that we receive so little mainstream and national news attention? And of course, it's racism. 
And then also a term that people have been using in discussing this is the missing white woman syndrome. And, you know, media coverage that white women receive far exceeds the attention and seriousness shown to missing black women because we aren't seen as victims. And it's, I think one of the big cases was like Gabby Petito. That was something. And then even more and more the phenomenon of like true crime, the investment people put into that. But like, if you look at who is sort of has popular podcasts or blogs or social media accounts, like one, what those people, who those people are, what they look like, it's usually white women that are very popular. And then two, the stories that they're covering are about white women. And Mm -hmm. it's that same attention, that same care, that same interest in the humanity and well-being of Black women is not shown. And all missing persons deserve to be searched for and their well-being cared for. And we're just simply asking for the same attention and resources are shown and given to Black women. We're not trying to compete with white women and say, like, they don't need to be looked for as well. We all need to be looked for. And the same energy that y'all put into looking for a blonde, blue-eyed woman is the same energy you need to put toward looking for everyone that's missing. Because, like, our lives matter. (laughs) Exactly. And like you said, just want the minimum that is given to white women because so many of the stories when I was doing research for this episode people have a hard time even just filing the police report the police do not take the family serious they're like oh they'll come up you gotta wait before we can file them as a missing a missing person there's so many hoops and obstacles just to get a missing person report out there and then getting media attention, getting the resources, just getting somebody to care about the person that has gone missing. And then adding the factor that so many people do not trust law enforcement at baseline. So police may not be the first people that they go to because time and time again, it shows that they cannot be trusted or that they don't care or show the same empathy. It's just very frustrating and sad. It really is. And the story that you researched and that we'll discuss is like a prime example of that. Because mm-hmm. it then it's always the question of like, had y'all listened, how many people could you have saved and pre- or like prevented this from happening to? Have you checked out our website? There you can find all of our episodes and show notes. You can even listen directly on the site and catch up on any previous episode you may have missed. You can read our bios and see what we're up to. Also, we made it even easier to contact us. Just fill out the form on our homepage and click submit. We invite you to recommend guests and topics we should feature. So what are you waiting for? Go check us out at distrustanddisparities.com. I'll start by saying I was looking for a case to cover and it was just very hard researching the topic. I know there's a lot of true crime podcasts out there, but for me, it was really sad and just gut wrenching, like reading the stories of missing black women and girls that just disappear and we just don't know what happens to them or that they end up 
being murdered. It was just very disheartening. And I chose this case because it highlights the distrust the community has with those that are supposed to be helping them and also how vulnerable populations are often overlooked. So we do have a trigger warning. This is very sensitive topic. So take your time, take breaks as we get into the episode. This case takes place on September 25th, 2022. Bishop Tony Cadwell was a minister and community activist. He posted a video to social media warning that a serial killer was targeting young women in a drug-ridden industrial area in Kansas City, where residents believe a number of women have disappeared in the recent months. Prior to posting the video, Bishop Catwell said he began hearing rumblings over the summer about women going missing from that particular desolate stretch of land on Prospect Avenue. And he stated, there were so many reports, I started getting concerned. But when he went to the police station to raise the matter, he was told, we'll give it a couple of days. You know how those type of people are. They might pop up and they might not. And at that point, he thought, we might as well do this for ourselves. So that's when he posted the video. We got three young ladies that are missing. Ain't nobody saying a word. What is the problem? Why Why can't we get some cooperation? Where's our community leaders? Where's our activists? Where's our public officials? Where's our police department? Where is those folks at? In President Gardens. Come on now. Bishop Caldwell's video, it went viral on both TikTok and Facebook. The video received over 700,000 hits and inspired many to create their own warning posts about the potential serial killer in Kansas City. The video also caught the attention of Ryan Sorrell, the executive editor and founder of the Kansas City Defender, which is a nonprofit Black news publication. The founder, he saw the video circulating on social media, and they decided Catwell's concerns were serious enough to warrant a wider audience in the entrance of public safety. And he reached out to the bishop and also tried to gather further information. And he decided to repost the TikTok video with a disclaimer. Please know we take these matters seriously and only want to repost facts and not fear monger. However, given the serious nature of the matter, we believe it is critical to report this. Also, I want to mention this important detail and why the community was on high alert and ready to take action. Back in 2004, a serial killer terrorized the same area in Kansas City. It was a black man named Terry Blair who strangled at least six women, leaving them for dead in various dark stretches around the Prospect area, that same area where Bishop Catwell was reporting that women were going missing. And 
Tony Blair, he was later sentenced to life in prison for six murders, although the authorities suspected that there were more victims. And a quote from a Kansas City resident stated, that's why Black people were so concerned, because this had happened before and they didn't listen to us then. After they published the article, the Kansas City Police Department swiftly rebutted the claims in the video with a lengthy statement that said it didn't have any reports of missing persons and more specifically black women missing from Prospect Avenue in Kansas City, Missouri. So they took the time to write some lengthy statement claiming that, oh no, this is all nonsense. The police department stated that at the time, Caldwell began to raise questions. The agency didn't have any official reports of Black women missing, nor did they have any cases of murdered women that he had also claimed in the video. And they basically just dismissed the claims and literally said, quote, they were completely unfounded rumors. And as we mentioned before, they did not investigate the matter or take it seriously. They told Caldwell, quote, well, give it a couple of days. You know how those type of people are. They might pop up and they might not. So again, here's a situation of they have a specific job, although they be doing everything but that. Yes. And you're literally put here to protect and serve and investigate when people say something is wrong. You put out a whole statement talking about we don't have any of this, that, or the other, but you didn't even look into it. And you're assuming and stereotyping people because of this area, because I'm sure there is known drug activity there, that the women that go missing, especially the black women that go missing, they're a certain type of person that in their minds as a police department, they don't care enough to look for because they don't matter. When everyone matters to someone and everyone deserves to be searched for. And on top of that dismissal of the claims that were made, and then of course you have the article coming out by the Kansas City Defender, news outlets in the area then quickly jumped on the police department's dismissal of the warning and just regurgitated what the police said because they're just blindly trusting as though the police haven't messed up, haven't had issues, like as though what happened in 2004 didn't mm -hmm. happen. It's like there are plenty of historical moments and events to look back at and be like, you know what, maybe we should do our own investigation because we can't trust what they're saying. And the founder of The Defender said, Quote, in essence, they silenced us because then every single news outlet in the city just also parroted verbatim what the police department said. And after they had published that initial story and the news outlets came under major fire by the police department that basically dismissed their reporting, the founder of this defender stated the police department already doesn't like our news outlet. They kind of just used that as an opportunity to discredit us because here you go a smaller nonprofit black owned and based news outlet reporting on, you know, important things in the community. You have bigger, more well-known mainstream ones going, Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. And then all of a sudden no one cares. Mm -hmm. And that's just crazy. That like, where is the journalism? Where is the investigation? Like y'all are just operating off of because somebody said something over here. You didn't even verify anything. 
So Bishop Caldwell, another activist, said that police often say it is difficult for them to file official missing persons reports because many living in the street go by nicknames, are homeless or have no fixed address, and many in the community avoid contact with the police department altogether given the long history of troubled race relations in the city. But if the victims were white, as we all know, there would have been a different response. In fact, at that time, there was another missing black woman from Prospect Avenue. Serena Truitt's family received a lot of pushback from the department when they were trying to file a missing persons report. Her family members, to little avail, had been pushing the Kansas City police for months to create an official missing person report and begin investigating Truitt's disappearance after they heard from other relatives that she had been murdered. The family believes police did not take the case seriously because... Truett had a drug problem and a criminal record. And one of the family members even got into a shouting match in June with one of the detectives over her disappearance. When I don't like, what is so difficult about taking down the information and looking into it? What is so difficult about that? Okay, they have a a criminal record and potential drug problem. She's a member of the vulnerable population. Look for her. Like, you just don't care because you see her as disposable because you want to be like, oh, well, she threw away her life because she's engaged in a few things that, you know, seem unsavory and she's not some upstanding member of society when it's just like everyone deserves to be looked for. Everyone matters. And when you have family members coming forward and going, hey, I haven't seen this person, you should just immediately file a report. Months, you're fighting months with the police department to even investigate and look like, that's so tiring and exhausting and just it's so heartbreaking too because you're just like where am i supposed to go like who if if they're not looking for them who is exactly and it's just disheartening nobody is the perfect victim or things like that if somebody is missing Follow the steps. You need to have empathy, one. That's why I'm like, where is the training for those in law enforcement? This is a part of your job. So you need to have empathy when you're dealing with family members. And this lady, Serena Truett, she went missing around the same time that Bishop Catwell posted this video. But there was other stories of other women in that area because in Kansas City and Missouri, research shows high incidents of sex trafficking in that area. Mm-hmm. So police should be on high alert and vigilant, especially probably in this area along Prospect Avenue. You should be doing your job, getting the word out and things like that. This is a basic part of your job. And I read the article about her family. They're going back and forth just to get the minimal standards of care. They can't even put in the the missing person report, can't even get updates, can't even get the detectives who's been assigned to this case to care. It's just like because of her record and background, he's like basically, you know, she was disposable. It it doesn't matter, but she matters. She was somebody's mom, a daughter, a sister. And just put yourself in those shoes. How would you feel if one of your loved ones went missing? It's just unfortunate. And you would think they would put two and two together. Serena, she lived on Prospect Avenue. They're calling attention to missing women on that case. And had you put in that missing person report properly, then they'd be like, oh, this is somebody else coming up. 
you know, let's see what's going on. Let's investigate. Let's take this seriously. So for them just to stomp out the Kansas City Defenders post and what Bishop Catwell and other activists are saying, because the community talks, Mm -hmm. the word is going to spread word of mouth amongst the community before it reaches the police. So you're not even taking what they're saying seriously. And two weeks later, after the video warning was posted on October 7th, 2022, in the early hours of the morning, a 22-year-old Black woman turned up in the Excelsior Springs community. And the community is located north of Kansas City. And one resident was awakened by the sound of knocking and the faint cry of help me. When she opened up her door, she found an emaciated young black woman wearing only a latex bondage dress and a homemade metal collar with a padlock around her neck. The 22-year-old black woman told neighbors she had escaped from a house up the hill where she had been held against her will for nearly a month by a man who picked her up in early September from Prospect Avenue. He had brought her home, locked her in the basement, and repeatedly whipped and raped her, she said. When the police arrived, the young woman was still shaken and terrified. She was convinced that her captor would hunt her down and kill her. She told Lieutenant Ryan Dowdy he killed two of my friends. She had literature marks around her wrists and feet and scarring over her neck consistent with being beaten, according to the police. In the ambulance on the way to the hospital, the victim pointed out a modest white wood frame house on the top of the hill. And that's where a railroad union worker named Timothy M. Hazlitt Jr. lived with his young son. She stated she was able to escape that morning in a brief window of time when Hazlitt left the home to take his child to school. When the police searched the home, they found a dungeon-like cell that he had built in the basement and outfitted with various restraints. Timothy Hazlitt Jr. was arrested that same day and charged with first-degree rape, first-degree kidnapping, and second-degree assault, according to court documents. Police spent three days combing through the house in the scene, and they removed more than a 1,000 pieces of evidence, including several hard drives that were loaded with pornography. No human remains were found at the site during the investigation, And they have not identified any other victims, but the detectives working on the case, they believe that there is a substantial possibility that there are more victims. And we want to point out, Hasselet is a white male that frequently posted racist and misogynistic commentary on a local community Facebook group. And the account was verified um, by his classmate that it was his And so with all that having happened and they're arresting this man, now all of a sudden the Kansas City Police Department, they eventually apologize to the Kansas City Defender news outlet for denying their claims. And 
it's like, okay, y'all apologize. But as Bishop Caldwell and other activists like noted, little has changed in their relationship with the police since the young woman escaped from that terrible man's home. So they have taken matters into their own hands, constructing a database with photos of citizens who frequent homeless shelters and soup kitchens. So they will have a baseline of information if others disappear. And this is again, where like, communities have to band together and advocate for themselves because you can't trust the police when it's just like, this was all said, like people were letting them know, Hey, something is happening. People are going missing. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. And then it's like, it took a woman escaping to then be like, Oh, I guess maybe something is happening. I guess we should have listened to y'all, but we'll give y'all some little half-ass apology. And you know, We'll, we'll try to move on from that, but like nothing's really going to change. And the Kansas City Defender wrote, quote, the story shows why it's absolutely essential to have radical black media outlets that are unapologetic and unafraid to report on issues that white news outlets don't want to talk about or that they will water down or whitewash. So days after the young woman's escape, the Excelsior Springs Police Department de- released an updated statement doubling down that them and other nearby law enforcement agencies did not receive a missing persons report for her. But because of this, Sorrell said the defender is working with a software developer to create their own black missing persons database that people in the community can submit to so that we don't have to rely on the police department to be the sole centralized source for that information, which also goes into like the numbers we mentioned at the top of the episode, those are underestimates because yes, people aren't comfortable. They don't feel safe reporting things to the police department or also the, with the missing persons case of Truett, Serena Truett, they won't even take the report. So like y'all are not even counting her. So those are moments when it's just like, well, we didn't have anything like, but you had people telling you something is wrong and you just didn't even feel the need to investigate because you didn't think we mattered. So again, to just place the blame on the victims as though they weren't as a community crying out for help is, is BS. And it is so great though, that there are like Ryan Sorrell is saying, you know, radical black media news outlets that are working with communities to protect communities and, you know, look out for one another. And the most recent updates on this case is that the Clay County Prosecutor's Office then found the body of Janie Crosdale, and she was discovered July 30th, 2023 in Salem County, Missouri. And apparently she was a potential witness in this case uh, with the unnamed, unidentified black woman that escaped the home. And a kayaker found the remains of Janie inside a blue barrel with a lid along the Missouri River. And apparently blue barrels were also found at the suspect's house. And here's a quote from someone involved with the case stating that, the fact that she was found in a blue barrel that is very similar to the blue barrels that he had on his property and the fact that she was there at his property, we would be remiss if we didn't look at him as a potential suspect. But it's just this, like, (laughs) 
it's just going to be like how many more victims are going to be found and yeah. not found alive. How many of the, them are going to be found where it's just like if we were to look back and investigate and see how many other people tried to go and report a missing person to the police department and they just decided not to put anything down. Like y'all are just blaming the community for something that like y'all ain't doing your damn job and you aren't then actively looking at stuff that could then prevent other people from experiencing harm and are being murdered. Yeah. It's just sad. And how the community, they band together and try to get the word out and they're dismissed. Their claims aren't taken seriously. And we know that this area has been targeted before by other serial killers, but you don't care about this population and what is going on. It's just disheartening. Like we see this story time and time again, and it's frustrating. And that's that's all I can say. It's just frustrating. <laughs> like I've been reading the stories and the reports and we we know these statistics, we've heard these statistics, but it's just like what is being done? How can we protect our community? How can we spread the word? What can we do? That's where I'm at. I'm just disheartened and frustrated. It's just like come on. Like w- yeah. why do we have to go through this over and over for you to take our concerns seriously? If you are enjoying this episode, you should consider buying us a coffee. Yes, a coffee. That small gesture will help us continue to create quality episodes and content. Click the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes or check out our website at distrustanddisparities.com. This week, we want to highlight the Black and Missing Foundation, Inc. This organization, they aligned with what our topic that we're talking about, their sole purpose is to increase the awareness of missing persons of color. And their objectives are to expand public awareness of missing persons of color, increase the number of missing persons of color featured in media, and increase the number of individuals reunited with their loved ones. And so the foundation was founded in 2008 by experts in the field of law enforcement and public relations. And those two experts are needed to help bring awareness and to find those from different communities that are missing. And it was founded by two Black women, like I said, one with a background in law enforcement and the other in public relations. And They want to bring awareness to missing persons of color and also to provide family members with vital resources and tools to help find their family members and also to get the word out and also to provide some safety education. The Black and Missing Foundation, they create public awareness campaigns for public safety and also provide parents and loved ones of missing persons with a form for spreading the word of their disappearance with pictures and profiles of missing individuals. And they use um, their platforms on social media, including um, television, radio, to help spread the word and locate those that are missing. 
And I wanted to highlight this organization. If you go to their website, they have a checklist of when you call to make a report to the police, all the information that you need to have present, such as the person's full name, their date of birth, if they go by any nicknames, what were they wearing when they disappeared, where did they live at, also like their height and weight, and also some questions that the police may ask you when they're gathering information, like who did they um, hang around, where were they last seen, you know, just information about their habits in detail. So when you call the police, you have this information. And they also have a PDF, how you can quickly make a missing person flyer, and also just online tools or how to report it, basically what to say to the police if your child or loved one goes missing. And you can also, once they get information and that report is filed, they'll be able to use like their tools to spread the word, get it out on social media and activate those in your community. And I just think it's like really helpful just having all this information in one spot, Um, just having uh, the resources to know where to go. And additionally, they also put out a documentary on HBO Max. It's a series and they just discuss the complications and why they take a deep dive into why so many Black women and Indigenous people do not receive media coverage when they go missing and the obstacles that they have to go to. We briefly touched on to it, but they have about four or five episodes on this HBO Max series that goes into in-depth details of the hoops that many parents and families have to jump through just to report their families missing. And the founders, like I said, their sole purpose is to increase awareness of missing persons of color. So how can we get the same media attention, get that same fight to find those? Because there's a huge portion of women that goes missing. So what can we do? What can be done? So we want you guys, um, our audience, to go to their website, check out their information. Like I said, they have resources if you need to report somebody missing. And also they have a database of missing persons of color that you can search. And also, like we just discussed, they do have some families and their stories where you can read through about that. And additionally, they have the docu-series on HBO Max. So if you want to take a further deep dive, you can check that out. And also you can support them. The best way to support them is to follow them on social media. You can go to their website and just repost the information that they share. You never know when you may need this information. Just spreading the word if somebody goes missing can make a huge difference. And then additionally, if you want to support them and the work that they do, you can make a donation on their website. And the donation goes to creating resources to help support the families and loved ones that go missing and also to run media campaigns and advertisements to get the word out. So like I said, the police, law enforcement, nine times out of 10 may not be able to help or have the same empathy or compassion, but we want to work and support organizations that are making it the priority 
to search for people that go missing. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and on Twitter at Distrust Pod. Thank you.